Ramble. I don't really like doing chores around the house, I'm going to be honest with you, and I especially used to hate doing laundry. It was just one of my more tedious tasks. It takes so much time, and I often feel tempted to not even bother sorting out my clothes. But I've been trying to motivate myself to get a lot more organized, and I finally found a way to make doing my chores so much more interesting, so much more engaging, and that's by listening to audiobooks on Audible. You guys know me, there is nothing like playing a good psychological thriller. So obviously, that's what I've been listening to. I'm currently listening to The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. The main character, Millie, is out on parole and she's desperate for a job. She doesn't have any money. She's living out of her car and she gets this opportunity to be this rich family's housemaid. Millie agrees even though there's just something really strange about the Winchesters. Especially the wife, Nina. She just seems to love finding ways to make Millie's life very difficult. The family is hiding something and Millie is hiding something and there's just so much tension between Millie and the husband. It's one of those stories that you can't stop listening to and I can't wait to finish it and start the next audiobook in this series. But if Thriller is not your thing, don't worry. Audible lets you pick from thousands of titles to find the perfect soundtrack to your day. You can find audiobooks from any genre, fiction, nonfiction, wellness, self-help. But they also have podcasts like this one, guided wellness programs, comedy, and originals. Living life without using Audible is like eating food with no seasoning. Sure, you still get your nutrients in, but it's missing that extra flavor, you know? So if you want to spice up your day, I highly recommend Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try audible free for 30 days listen it's thanksgiving week and i just want to say you guys are probably listening to this the day before thanksgiving and happy freaking thanksgiving this used to be my freaking favorite holiday um mainly like a hundred percent for the family the food the friends and absolutely nothing to do with the colonization of the united states of america before it was the united states of america but I love Thanksgiving, so I'm really excited, and I hope you guys are excited too. Staying safe out there. But today, I decided to do a story that has been highly requested, and for some reason, it freaks me out. There's a detail in here that I just could not come to face, and this entire story has to do with baby farms. A baby farm. You ever heard of a baby farm before? What's baby farm? It's like doggy meals for... Babies? Yeah, uh-huh. So really? I'm sure that there is like a more appropriate way and reason that baby farms are created, whether it be for, um, I don't know, like trafficking reasons or for adoption agencies, like illegal adoption agencies who are not trying to provide best homes for the orphans, but literally just making babies so that they can sell them on the black market. I'm sure there's are a lot serious? of those out there. Yeah, but these, huh. these in particular, we're talking about a one-man baby farm. A man grows up and he says, what do you want to be in life? You know, what do you what do you want to grow? What do you see yourself doing mm -hmm. when you grow old? You know, most people would say I want to be an astronaut. Mm hmm. Nobody says that anymore. Um, <laughs> that's like a really specific, really difficult profession to get into. Like, I want to be a doctor, a mm -hmm. YouTuber, maybe. Right. But um, nobody is like, I want to be the father of a bajillion children. Like, I want to have as many kids as humanly possible up until he likes 2014. responsibilities. 
Um, but that's the weird thing. The reason that a lot of people have baby farms is very confusing. So in 2014, there was this huge scandal that broke out and it had to do with a Japanese man. Now, this Japanese man is not just a regular Japanese man. He is actually the eldest son of a Japanese tech billionaire. So just by sitting there, just by breathing air, he gets millions of dollars of dividends handed to him on a yearly basis. So he's just by being alive, he makes millions of dollars. He's not even putting in work. So the dude is financially very, very capable. Right. Mm -hmm. And his entire dream in life, his name is Mitsutoki Shigeta. Right. So uh, he said, I'm going to get him. That was dumb. So his entire goal was to have over a thousand kids. And the reason that he wants to have these kids is because he wants a big family. But he also said that he would run for an election and win by letting his children vote for him. Now, I don't know about a you, but kids. if like you have, if you're depending on 1,000 oh, for like his uh, company, maybe not like for pol- politics, you know, he wants to win by win the company. You know, yeah, like that's very uh, K-drama, like the company, you got to have board members vote for you. Uh, maybe that's what he's talking about. Inst- I was thinking like politics and I was like, really, if you're nitpicking over a thousand votes right now, but also have you ever had children? They can turn on you. OK, like half <laughs> those kids aren't voting for you. Half those kids are undecided voters. It's weird. OK. Anyways, continuing. So this guy, he decided to get a bunch of surrogates and his goal was to have 15 kids a year. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought there's a limit on how many kids you can have. Legally. I don't think so. Like in a sperm bank? Oh, he kept them in his house. Oh, so he's doing this like... He said he froze his primetime sperm and he was keeping them in his house. I don't know if he was using like a fucking Samsung or a Thermador freezer, but uh, or like an industrial... Maybe he bought... I don't know. What do millionaires do with their time? Like maybe he bought one of those crazy sperm freezers. I think you got, you need more than a refrigerator for that. <laughs> <no>? <laughs> I'm like, you need... <laughs> I'm like, he got one of those skincare refrigerators <laughs> and he just stashed it all in there in little Ziploc bags and he was like, this will do this is good <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so the reason that he got caught was because in his bangkok apartment he had this massive upscale apartment in thailand and so a lot of like um asians are known to get surrogates from thailand and the philippines because it's a little bit more affordable like if you can't conceive on your own you probably would go it's like getting a nose job in korea rather than beverly hills it's a little bit cheaper yeah. right and so that's kind of where he had all of his surrogates um the police actually busted his bangkok apartment and and they found just like this empty apartment with just baby cribs, baby diapers filled with everything baby, but like nothing else. Like there was no evidence of parents living here with um, 13 kids and 13 separate nannies who lived there taking care of each kid. Damn. And he was just waiting them, waiting for them to get Wait, old. Why is he getting busted? Is that illegal? Um, they just thought it was weird. Yeah. And uh. so he had to go to court to get custody of those kids. And the court gave him custody, full custody of all 13 kids. Because, um, I mean, technically he is loaded. He doesn't have a history of like abusing children or anything. It genuinely doesn't seem like he created these kids so that he could abuse them. He Wait, just so he wants to have a thousand kids. Yeah. But he's 13 in. I think he's busted. like 20 in. He's 20 in. Yeah. And he, got, <laughs> he, got, he got 880 more to go. Yeah. Oh, that was quick math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really hard. But so. also I was thinking about, yeah. have you thought about how much it costs to raise a kid? That's what I thought too. This, see, <laughs> like, this is the thing, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he has a coming, nanny for each of them. <laughs> yes. God damn. And he had to get surrogates, which like that's pricey. Yeah. Also like to get sperm in your little freezer and then to... to 
impregnate someone using that sperm, I'm sure is a medically expensive treatment. You can't just be like, here, stick this Ziploc bag inside yourself. Wait, like, so instead of just mm-hmm. doing it the natural way, you know what I mean? He went through like a surgical way. Because if you do it the natural way, then the moms can get custody. Surrogacy, you're signing away all rights to that kid. Oh. Yeah, so like if he went on to them streets and was like, listen, I'm looking for 13 baby mamas, you know, these moms, they have a say in how these kids are raised and they probably get joint mm. custody. But when it's surrogates, it's like, hey, they're all mine. I see. Yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, I'm glad that he got custody because I mean, it seems like his family is a very prominent family and they have no history of like abusing children. But also it seems really sad because it doesn't seem like he wanted just like a big ass family. He was like, I just want my Christmas Christmases to be the best. You know, it just Mm -hmm. was like a means to an end of maybe overthrowing his dad and getting his multi-billion dollar company. I have no idea. It's just so strange. And I think maybe coming from me. So this entire this entire podcast keep in mind i'm not really a kid person i love kids i just don't trust myself around kids i'm i'm clumsy <laughs> it. i just don't trust them <laughs> i love kids but i don't trust them <laughs> they're really sus okay <laughs> they do be sus on a daily basis <laughs> no i just don't like they make me nervous because i'm really clumsy and then it's like this tiny little human they just seem so fragile and then like i don't know like what if they're like can you play hide and seek with me and then like i just lose them for like an hour and then they're just emotionally traumatized for the rest of their lives and they'll remember back like oh my god like i played hide and seek and she fucking forgot and like was i found i came out two hours later and she was watching tv and like i'm emotionally traumatized from that experience i don't know i just i feel like that is way too much pressure so this is a little bit harder for me to understand baby farms let's get into probably one of the most notorious almost serial killers who wanted to run his own baby farm now there is a little bit of religion involved and it's kind of a cult. Now, are most religions cults? No. Are most churches cults? No. But I got to just preface it because sometimes people get triggered. Let's get into Gary. Now, let's start with Josefina. I feel like I just want to drop you into the scene of the crime. I know a lot of podcasts these days have been starting with like the childhood. But no, I'm going to take you straight to the crime. So Josefina, by the way, all of Gary's victims were African-American females. I mean, it's going to cause a lot of controversy later because there is a lot of things to be angry with but we will get angry when the time comes. And so Josephina was the first victim of Gary Heidnick. Well, actually, maybe his multiple victims. So the experience is like this. She is a working prostitute at the time. She was 25 years old. Her children were in in foster care. Now, by the way, she is really outspoken about all of these things. So this is me gathering information that she has already given to the world personally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her kids were in foster care at the time and she was just going through it. Like she was addicted to drugs. She couldn't find work that didn't involve sex work and she didn't particularly love her life at the time she was just trying to get herself together but it's hard like that's the thing with sex work it's so hard you're like in this revolving cycle of like you're trying to get enough money to get out of it but in order to continue to do something that can be so traumatizing for women you then depend on other things that then later prevent you from reaching your goals such as drugs right Mm -hmm. and so she was kind of in this vicious cycle of prostitution and that's when she's approached by a car carrying Gary Heidnick and she said that he was tall he had this brown hair he looked just 
super freaking ordinary. Like there was nothing special about him. There was nothing creepy in his eyes. There was nothing in that moment that she was like, no, Josefina, like freaking run and don't ever look back. Like he absolutely did not look creepy in that way. And so he gets into the car. She's in the car and he's like, listen, here's what I want. I want like full on consensual sex and this is how much I'm going to pay for it. So she agrees on the price and she's like, well, where do you want to go? Like, do you want to get a motel room? You know, wherever we can go wherever. And he says, well, can we actually go back to my house? I don't feel comfortable anywhere but my house now Josefina this is a rule for her she never goes to clients house like imagine how dangerous that is whereas like a motel you've got other people you check in you've got cameras someone's house like they could literally just throw you into their basement and you're done for Mm. and that's exactly what Gary is gonna do yeah Uh. and so she goes she makes an exception she goes to his house and they consensually have sex now this is the only time that they will consensually have sex so she gets paid her money and as she's putting on her clothes like her back is turned to him and he's like laying in the bed she's putting on her clothes to walk out of this house he starts choking her just choking her with his bare hands she was knocked unconscious and then she woke up with handcuffs on her arm and he just kept saying things like shut up like i'm not gonna hurt you shut up and he dragged her into his basement there was like this massive music stereo playing in the basement that she couldn't even she couldn't even hear anything like she was feeling so frazzled like it just was so much clouding her mind and the whole time she just said she cannot believe that this is actually happening like what the hell is happening right Mm. So she's in this really dark basement and it's not even, um, well, I grew up in the South. So like there's a lot of basements that were like finished and like game rooms, you know, um, it's an unfinished basement. So it was like dirt floors, you know, you can kind of see like the, some walls and then some of them have just planks, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just was not a good environment. So at that point he starts chaining her up. He's putting these clamps on her ankles and Mm -hmm. he's really meticulous about what he does. So he puts these clamps on her ankles and then he gets crazy glue and he glues the clamp and the screws so that the screws can't be undone ever so he's chaining her for good for good that's insane yeah so he's like really training chaining her up right and then he gets her chained up and throws her into a tiny little dug-in hole in the basement this hole it's really hard to call it a hole. I mean, the whole time everyone calls it a hole because I feel like it's, you know, the victims, they come out and say it's like a grave. Like, it's not really a hole. Like, when you think hole, you're thinking of like one of those, you know, the scandal, the TV show where they're like, put him in the hole. And it's like this deep, you know, cement well. Mm-hmm. No, it's just like a mini grave. Mm, so and just so, a little little shallow yeah she barely fit she was like all crawled up to fit into that hole and then he puts a wooden slab like a giant wooden slab on top of the hole and then put sandbags on top of that so she can't get out of this hole so the whole time what? i mean she can't breathe she's screaming she's like what the hell is going on right and he would get so mad that she was making noise that he would pull the sandbags off of that hole take the wooden plank off grab her by her hair So that she was standing up and he would start beating her with a stick and he would say, shut up, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, imagine getting beat with a stick and someone's like, hey, shut up. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. What do you mean? You're kind of hurting me a lot right now. Like, I don't. And so most of the day she would be inside the hole pretty much like 23 hours a day and the sandbags would be above the door. There was no way for her to escape. There was really nothing like even if she were to escape that hole, she's still heavily chained up to the basement. Like, how is she going to get out of those chains? Right. And around 8 p.m. Sometimes he would take her out and sometimes he would talk to her. And one of the things that he constantly kept talking to her about were his goals in life, you know. 
We all got goals. And his goal was to have a bunch of women in his basement and make a bunch of kids. He wanted a baby farm. Now, he claims to Josefina that the city wouldn't let him do that. The city, anytime he would have kids, the city would take away his kids. Now, this is either a conspiracy theory or this means that the city doesn't think you're a fit parent and that is why they take away your kids, right? And so she's just sitting here listening to it. And so he says, yeah, because the city kept taking away my kids, I decided to make a base torture chamber so he went he dug this tiny little hole he went and bought shackles he went and bought chains and all these torture devices because he wanted a baby farm yeah Hmm. yeah and the whole reason he wanted a baby farm was because he was really big on the idea of impregnating women who would always look up to him So not only did he want these babies or these women to carry his babies, but he wanted them to like respect him like very patriarchal, misogynistic asshole. You know, he was like, I want these women that I'm just keeping in my dungeon to respect me. So his goal is more baby or more woman? It seems like it's a little bit of both. Mm. And it's very confusing. So like if you were to just take the woman thing, he sounds like a lot of other serial killers. He sounds like a sexual sadist. He sounds like a kidnapper. He sounds disgusting, like a misogynist, like you'll respect me. And it's like you kidnapped me like I don't, you know, and all of those things. And then he added the whole baby thing to it. I mean, it's just so strange. Right. Mm -hmm. And he wants all of these women who are impregnated with these child to be dependent on him. And they want he wants them to treat him like a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he claims to Josefina that he wanted at least 10 girls and he wanted them all pregnant at the same time. Yeah, so I, I decided to look into the impregnation fetish because I'm like, this is weird. We haven't really talked about this. This isn't like something that comes up when you're researching serial killers. Like, oh, they freaking love impregnating people. Like, it's not necessarily, if anything, you're just leaving DNA as a serial killer or a criminal. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And it's not even categorized as a sexual fetish. Like, a lot of the times, like BDSM, like all of these other things, they are categorized as sexual fetishes. This one is categorized as a paraphilia which means that it's just an inclination some people have and there's no technical name for it. They just call it the impregnation fetish or the conception fetish, right? And it means that you are purely interested in the conception interest of impregnating someone. The risk behavior or like, yeah, the risk behavior or of possibly getting someone pregnant. I don't get it. Like they like, the thrill of that so if we go really deep into it because i wanted to go on reddit because you know all of this sounds interesting but it, it, it just wasn't scratching the itch that i was looking for like i was like i mean i get it but i don't really get it like there's got to be something more than like i just don't like using condoms because then you could just get on birth control right what is it about the impregnation fetish right i mean it's the fetish of people not even wanting to be on birth control it's when men genuinely want to impregnate a woman there's a lot of erotic fiction that you can find online about it and a lot of the times they describe it in very intense words such as you know the mighty seed talking about the sperm traveling the mighty seed yeah they would call it like the mighty seed travels into the womb like it's just i mean it's weird like it's not even um not weird not judging it's not even just like oh they did it without a condom woohoo right raw dog but it was um it's very like 
you know, like the mighty seed. And so I went on to Reddit and there is actually an Ask Reddit about it. Or I think it was either Ask Men or Ask Reddit, a sub. And a lot of people were posting like, what is it with all of these videos on the hub and all of these like erotic fictions about impregnating people like is this a thing and a lot of guys responded and they said i have that fetish and i think it has to do with this primal drive to procreate like something about it feels so animalistic (laughs) like there's no you're not thinking about like wait 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 wait, should i propose first you're not thinking about oh my god like okay then i need to take some time off of work i need to take paternity leave you need to take maternity leave it's just very primal Mm. so it takes away all the complications of starting a family in modern day society and you're just back to like this animalistic i'm a lizard brain let me just oh oh, i'm came you know like that type of thing that's Mm. what they said right and they also said that um having sex with a woman feels to them now again this is you know, some people's perspectives, not all. Mm -hmm. They said that having sex with a woman feels like a victory, right? And, you know, dating someone feels like a victory. Mm -hmm. Having sex with the person that you're dating feels like a victory. But Mm -hmm. some of these people who have this fetish say that then impregnating the person that they're dating or seeing feels like the ultimate conquering. Like it feels like, oh, I win and all these other dudes lose because like, that's my baby. That's freaking weird. And that's what I mean that some of the people said. And they said it's not like serious. Like they're not going to go out and like rape people to get them pregnant. It's just like this thing that is it's it's just a fetish. Okay. So it's very interesting. Um, Again, I think it's not that deep, right? I don't even think it's as deep as the Ask Reddit. I honestly think it has more to do with maybe not using the condoms or contraception like that. But anyways, Gary had it deep. Gary was really into it. Gary wanted a baby farm. Most things in life are not simple, okay? This fetish is not simple. Most things that we talk about are not simple. So I don't want to offend anyone who does have this fetish. You do you as long as everything is consensual and legal. I am supportive of you. But here's something that is simple in life. And you would never believe it because the minute that I start talking about it, you're going to be like, how is that simple? That doesn't even make sense. Home security. I know. It's notoriously known for not being simple at all. You've got like 25 bajillion different companies. You've got to like wire all these cameras. You got to have all these like installation crews walk through your house and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's why I use Simply Safe. You guys know if you guys watch my YouTube channels, I'm all about home security. There's almost always a rise in break ins during the holidays. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that? And that's why Simply Safe Home Security is having a huge holiday sale right now. 40% off of any Simply Safe system and a free security camera. If you guys watch US News and World Reports, it's called the best home security of 2020. Whether you guys are traveling or staying put for the holidays, check Check out that 40% off plus free security camera deal before it ends this week. I love Simply Safe because you can actually install it super easily by yourself. My fiance installed it, but honestly, I could have done it if I really wanted to. And it was actually the best of 2020 by Forbes and popular mechanics for home security. It's amazing. I mean, you get a system that has an arsenal of sensors, cameras, and you can technically protect every single inch of your home. It takes about 30 minutes to set up. There's no contract, no hidden fees, no instant installation cost and the security specialists they take over they monitor your home around the clock and they're ready to send emergency help the moment that the alarm goes off get 40 percent off of simply safe plus a free security camera today by visiting simplysafe.com slash rotten this deal expires on friday that's simply safe slash rotten I 
feel really bad for shitting on people for that fetish. I'm not shitting on you, okay? You do you. Like, I don't ever want to shame people for having a fetish. I do want to shame Gary, though, because when you take it to this level, when it crosses the legal line or the consensual line, that's when you get to get shamed. Now, let's talk about Gary Heidnick. Gary Heidnick is a very interesting person. So he was actually born November 22nd, 1943, which um, you are hearing this on a Wednesday, but we are actually fil- filming this on his birthday. So wait, what? Today is his birthday, November 22nd. 19 when? 1943. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But he's also dead. So he's born in November in Cleveland, Ohio, and he was the oldest of two kids. Now, he was born to Ellen and Michael, who are his parents. But by the time he was three years old, his parents divorced. And he was living with his mom, Ellen, until he was about seven years old. Now, it seems like something happened there where Ellen was just like, I can't do this. Like, I can't take care of both of these boys. So she had two sons with Michael, right? I can't take care of both of these boys. Like, I need help. This is too much. And so she gives up the children to be with michael who is his dad right and his dad had a new wife at this time so he's got like you know his dad and his stepmom and you know gary says that there was a lot of emotional abuse in this house that for the amount of time that he was there there was just a lot of shaming a lot of humiliation a lot of just it wasn't fun and a lot of it had to do with his constant bedwetting yes we're back to bedwetting Which, by the way, I looked into it this time because I was like, I need to know. Like I said last time, there's animal cruelty, fire, and bedwetting. Those are known as the triad of a serial killer. It's actually known as the McDonald triad. Not to be um, confused with McDonald's, the fast food chain, but actually a psychologist whose last name was MacDonald. So um, it's the (laughs) McDonald triad. Yeah, I know. McDonald's, the fast food chain is sitting there like, the fuck? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So McDonald triad. And it just means that if you show a tendency towards animal cruelty, starting fires and wetting your bed in your teenage years, you've got, you know, the trifecta for being a homicidal raging maniac. It's not really nice, is it? But that is kind of exactly his theory. Now, it's linked to stress and anxiety, bedwetting. So once you pass the age of five, so there's a chemical in your brain from age zero to five where you don't know how to not pee when you're sleeping. It's unconscious. You just can't control it. It's not about self-control, right? Uh, so once zero to five. You don't have that You don't. At all. You can't control. Yeah. And then Got once it. you turn five years old, I believe there's like this chemical that starts developing in your brain. However, there is a group of people who do have a condition where that chemical never developed and so they will consistently wet their beds until they're much older now this is not to be confused with um when you're too old and you can't control your bladder or you had you know damage done whether it was trauma or whatever happened right Mm -hmm. so that's not to be confused they just can't produce the chemicals so they will constantly wet their beds even when they're like in their 20s and this is really shitty because it is one of those things where a lot of people think that you have control over it I feel like it's kind of similar to weight like a lot of the times people will look at it and be like well you just lack self-control but Mm -hmm. it's actually not like that at all so it it is really serious right it's also linked to stress and anxiety so let's say your brain does produce that chemical Mm -hmm. and you're like in your teenage years if you have so much stress and anxiety 
you may continue to consistently wet your bed. Now, the reason that it's common in serial killers is not because they have a lack of control. That's what a lot of people thought. It's like, oh, they're wetting their bed because they don't care about consequences. They don't care about self-control. They do what they want, when they want, whenever they want, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they just wake up at 3 a.m. and they want to fucking pee, they're going to fucking pee, right? But it's not necessarily like that at all. So the reason is because serial killers, they usually, they grow up in these like broken homes. I'm talking abusive parents. I'm talking abuse, whether it's just physical abuse or sexual abuse. There's a lot happening. And there's also the aspect of them not being able to understand their emotions. So one thing that I read about serial killers is that people have this misconception that when a kid grows up, that they learn to figure out on their own how to deal with their emotions. But that's actually not true in most cases. They just know how to hide it. So like if you look at a serial killer who's in their teenage years and you're thinking to yourself, well, they probably know how to like deal with their life right now at this point. It's actually not true at all. They're just so good at hiding it. Now they don't cry when they get beat. Now they don't do this when they get beat. But if they don't learn early on how to handle the emotions that they feel, then it's going to be a long journey to discover that. Mm. So you're saying regular people do learn how to deal with it because it's taught to them. Uh. It's not a self-learning thing. So how to healthily, how to in a healthy manner deal with negative emotions is taught. It's not a self-learning thing. Isn't that interesting? That's weird. Yeah. Okay. So it's not something that, you know, you're like, oh, well, when they get older, they're just going to learn how to deal with anger. It's actually something that's taught or picked up on. So it's not necessarily like the mom sits you down and is like, hey, when you get angry, you do this, right? But they watch from the people and they learn. Got it. So it's not something that your brain is just like, hey, we should do something with this emotion now. Right? Okay. Got it. And so because a lot of serial killers, they're never taught that. They never learn that. They've got all of these emotions that we may not see, that they might not even know that they have. And that all translates into stress and anxiety and they will continue to wet their bed. Also, the humiliation factor is really big. So a lot of serial killers, they overcompensate. A lot of them don't feel, you know, like they're worth it or that they have something to look forward to. And so constantly wetting the bed is like this vicious cycle of humiliation. It's like a confirming in their mind that they deserve to be humiliated because like like I said, a lot of the times, you know, serial killers are humiliated at school, mm. in their friend groups, at home by their parents. Mm-hmm. So this is just an addition. And then this humiliation, this anger from this humiliation of wetting their bed then translates into them punching animals and starting fires. <laughs> so that's their, their way of letting out that. Yeah, of dealing okay. with their emotions. Okay. So, I mean, it's very interesting. I think only like 33% of serial killers have the this little triad. That's high. I felt like that was pretty low. <laughs> 30. I, I'm, I'm interested to know if you were to gather up all... Maybe I'll do like an Excel spreadsheet one day. Like <laughs> all of their traits. Because, I mean, I, I'm so curious after the last week's podcast of getting bonked on the head... Like, does that really factor in? I wonder if more serial killers were bonked on the head at a young age versus bedwetting or animal cruelty. Because you always hear about the animal cruelty. Like, I just wonder what's the one factor. If we could just only say, hey, look out for this one thing. Cats. Oh, the fucking cats. They got it out for cats. Yeah. It's always the cats. 
he would pee his bed and his dad did not like that because his dad was like are you not a man like stop peeing your bed and the way that he would deal with it is like you're gonna learn your lesson to not pee the bed if I humiliate you so he would grab his bed sheets that are stained with pee Gary's bed sheets and he would hang them in front of Gary's window so all the neighbors could see that he wet his bed what I mean this is like literally the worst parenting yeah the dad later denied this when gary was sent to prison but um i don't really know like once you deny something like this i'm just like i mean it's really specific right i don't know but also gary is not trustworthy so i'm on the fence about this one it sounds like something did happen now during school gary had this weird complex he refused to make eye contact with people which is another thing i heard which could be a sign of psychopathy which is your you know you just don't make eye contact with people there's something about it that makes them really uncomfortable comfortable and not in a socially anxious way not Mm -hmm. in like oh my god i have social anxiety i don't want like to look at people because i get red right Mm -hmm. but just very odd and so there was this one girl who had asked him if he did his homework and he gets up from the middle of his desk which is really weird because he was known to just not interact with people he wasn't known to be a loud person or an aggressive person he was just known to be just gary in the corner right Mm -hmm. and so she's like hey gary did you do your homework today And he gets up from his desk and he screams at her, you're not worthy enough to talk to me and sits sits back down. (laughs) What was that? I don't know. Like, could you imagine? I don't even I don't even know how to process this right now. I mean, I tried to look into it, but like, damn, I don't even know. I'm like, so he's humiliated by peeing the bed, but he also doesn't feel like she's worthy of talking to him. I think he has a lot of anger towards women. I mean, we're going to see that a lot later. He is a sexual sadist against women. He is very violent towards women. And my inclination tells me maybe it has something to do with his mom abandoning him when he was seven like sending him to leave with his dad and then he had these negative experiences with his dad. So Mm -hmm. maybe he's just like putting all of that trauma onto his mom who is a woman, right? You think that's what it is? I don't know. Or does it have anything to do with how the dad treats women? Anything? Could be that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, somewhere along the way, he picked up a hatred for women, it seems, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was also teased for having a really odd head shape. I mean, I looked at pictures of him when he's older, and I don't really necessarily see an odd head shape, but maybe when he was young, it was more pronounced. And him and his little brother, Teddy or Terry, they would both sit there and say, well, it's because that he fell out of a tree you know, when he was young. And then there's other variations of the story where he said that when he was born, his mom dropped him on his head. And that's why, I'm sorry. No, these are type of story that your parents tell you, but you know, it's not true. And so he says that that's why he has an odd head shape. I mean, I don't really, there was no confirmation on any of these. There's no doctor's reports of him falling out of a tree or like being dropped on his head. Like, doctor, doctor, please help me. I dropped my baby, right? I don't know. But regardless of all of that, he was relatively smart so he tested for his iq and it was at a 143 it's not necessarily ted kaczynski the unabomber or anything of that sort but um he is he's above average in terms of intelligence really smart and he ended up dropping out of high school at 17 years old and he did this mainly because he wanted to join the army again this is kind of this is a thing a lot of people did a lot of killers joined the army because they want to get away from their family life right so he joins the army now The first thing is basic training at the army, right? And he was regarded to be excellent. His trainers were like, holy shit. How how would I describe his training? Motherforking excellent. And that is high praise. Listen, if you if you've been to the army or, you know, people who went to the army, 
Excellent is not a word that you hear often. So what was, was it really? Was he really good at physical? Yeah, activities? he was good with physical activities, following the rules. He was mm. really smart. He was quick on his feet. Mm. He wasn't, you know, like if someone told him to do something, he wouldn't be like, wait, how do I do that again? You know, he was just overall excellent in his basic training. And then afterwards, he applied to be in the military police department, which I don't know what that is. Right. Um, I do hear that there's a lot of controversy because apparently if there is a crime committed within the army the regular police department don't really look into it they have their own police department to look into it which mm. then causes a lot of things to go under the table such as a lot of female army military um service women get raped and just goes under the table because the army police are like we'll look into it yeah i mean i need to look a lot more into it but it's just yeah it's very controversial and so he applies to be a part of the military police department and he gets rejected. Now then he's like, okay, maybe I'll go into like the medical field. So he does his medical training in San Antonio, Texas, and he again did really, really well. So then afterwards he gets sent to West Germany and he joins like this army surgeon hospital and he was doing really well in the beginning. He gets his GED because like I said, he didn't graduate high school and it seems like he's got a career ahead of him. Like 17 is so early to start the army and now, I mean, if you work your ass off you could either leave the army go get like a really good job because i mean these are all credentials that are on your resume or you could level up in the army you could do all of these things it seems like he has this whole world ahead of him but but all of a sudden he starts complaining of like these headaches and this blurred vision and like dizziness and nausea i'm like he's pregnant i'm kidding (laughs) so he goes to the doctor in west germany right um Mm -hmm. an army doctor and he gets diagnosed with two things well Mainly just one, which was called gastroenteritis, which is otherwise known as infectious diarrhea. It's not really like a lifelong condition, but he just had like massive diarrhea. So that's where people think like the nausea and all those things are coming from. Right. But during this visit with the doctor who was examining him, they said that he displayed strong signs of mental illness that nobody else caught. Like in high school, nobody thought he displayed strong signs of mental illness, not during training, not during his medical training. Absolutely nobody would think that he displayed signs of mental illness from what I could find. What? But all of a sudden, he did. And so he was actually prescribed for a drug that treated schizophrenia. Yeah, so it it was intense. Now, two months later, he was honorably discharged from the army for you know his mental illness he actually was put on like a like a pension for having a mental illness um after joining the army and he was transferred to pennsylvania so he's transferred to an army hospital in pennsylvania and he gets officially diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder and this just means that some of the symptoms may include and it's not saying that he had all of these or he had some worse than others but just a lack of interest in social relationships like you just don't you're not really trying to make friends or find loved ones you just don't care at all about these relationships you have no ability to form into attachments like you know like you just like start dating and suddenly you're like oh my god this is the love of my life right but Mm. he can't do that at all like he just doesn't know how to get intimate it seems like he can't really hold those feelings um a lot of the times they have a sheltered lifestyle so it means that they only do what they know and nothing else they're very detached emotionally they have a lack of empathy they also have like um what's seen as emotional coldness everyone Mm. just says that they just seem cold like there's nothing very you know, genuinely like connected that Mm -hmm. you feel when you hang out with them. And the one thing with schizoid personality disorder that I read a lot is that you have an elaborate fantasy world a lot of the times. 
Okay. Like very elaborate. Like you've got a lot of things planned, lots of details, not just like you zoning out and like fantasizing about like the new car that you want. Like it's um you know, do you get what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like this fake Makes world sense. in their head that they retreat to very frequently, not just like when they're trying to fall asleep, but yeah. like every single day. After the army, he becomes a licensed nurse and he gets accepted into the University of Pennsylvania, UPenn, very prestigious college. OK, so he's doing well for himself, but he ends up dropping out after just one semester and he immediately goes into work at a local veterans hospital in Pennsylvania. Now, he was fired for two things that I just feel like are what the fork, right? Imagine. Imagine working at a hospital, specifically a veteran's hospital, and he gets fired for poor attendance and rude behavior to patients. Like, <laughs> that's like the opposite of what the hospital's looking for. They want accountability. They want someone they can depend on and someone who's good with patients. But he like just didn't show up. He was so rude to these veterans who are patients. And he was like, fuck you guys. So they fired him. <laughs> like, I world? don't know. It's so weird. Now, for the next two decades, he would be out and about. He would be a free man, but he would be in and out of psychiatric hospitals, not as a nurse, but as a patient. He would try to commit suicide at least 13 times in two decades and it seems like it does run in the family so there there must have been something going on so his mom ellen she was diagnosed with bone cancer and she was an alcoholic and there's rumors that she was in an abusive relationship at the time but she decided to commit suicide by drinking a cocktail of mercuric chloride so i googled it mercuric chloride it back in the day was used to treat syphilis which is odd. Did you know Coca-Cola and ketchup used to be used for medicinal purposes? Yeah, I don't know what yeah. they can treat. <laughs> I don't know. But um, mercuric chloride used to treat syphilis. Now, mercury is really toxic to humans, like incredibly toxic. So I don't know what kind of doctor was like, this is a good one, right? But back then it was used. It, it has really corrosive properties. People can compare it to drinking ultra strength drain cleaner. You know, it's just like you're going to have internal damage. Like it's going to burn your esophagus. It's going to burn your mouth. It's going to go down and it's going to burn your fucking organs. Like, I don't know why they were like, you got you got an STD. Take this. You know, I, I don't know. Right. So she drinks the mercuric chloride and she ends up dying. So she commits suicide. Now, his younger brother also is in and out of mental institutions, and he also tried to take his own life multiple times. Mercuric chloride. It was actually famously known in the 1920s for a specific case because um, Indiana, they had a KKK sector. Yeah, so I guess every state has like their own fucking KKK back in the day, maybe to this day. I should know this. I don't know. Okay, I don't like to Google stuff that's going to inherently make me really depressed. So Indiana, the KKK leader, he kidnapped and assaulted his ex-girlfriend and she ended up taking this. I'm going to get into it because that is actually a very strange story and it has an upside. I know it's all depressing, but it's going to have an upside. So I feel like this quarantine has been just the era of small businesses and it makes me so happy. Like I am on small business TikTok on a daily basis. And during this quarantine time, my fiance and I got a little bit creative. We've been trying to make like official looking websites so his family's got a business so we're trying to like make a cute little website for them to air and we were thinking about it for so long and we finally did it and it was so easy because we used squarespace so from websites to online stores to marketing tools and even analytics to know like how many people came to your page today so if you guys are interested in like showcasing your work maybe you're like listen i've been thinking about it okay i'm thinking about following my dreams you can use squarespace's professional portfolio designs 
designs. You can display these projects in these customizable galleries. I've seen so many artists make websites and it is such a good marketing tool. You can also add password protected pages to share private work with clients. Most importantly, they have a powerful e-commerce functionality. So it lets you sell anything online. Now, when we were creating a website for our family's business, we really took advantage of that 24 seven customer service because listen, sometimes it do be four in the morning when you're working on your website. It do be okay. And you want to talk to someone because you got some questions. So if you guys are interested in starting that website, go to squarespace.com slash rotten for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code rotten to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. So that's squarespace.com slash rotten. Let's talk about what happened in the 1920s because I don't know. This is what happens. Every time I research a case, I get into like, I'm like, what's mercuric chloride? And then I want to research every true crime case that has to do with mercuric chloride. It's like this rabbit hole that I go deep down into and I just can't stop it. So now you guys are here for the ride. So this took place in Indiana. Now, there was a woman who she was kidnapped by a former KKK leader of the Indiana sector. Now, this was back in the day when... um. Me really thinking the back of the day part, I'm like, does this still happen? I feel like it might. So a lot of the times leaders of the KKK had immense political power. So he decided that he was going to start dating this woman and she ended up breaking up with him like later on, like a couple dates in. I think he had maybe like cheated on her or something had happened. And she just was like, listen, I don't think we're meant for each other. I just don't think I want to be in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And so he decides that she deserved to be kidnapped by his little henchmen of the KKK and she would be kept alive in his apartment and wherever he went and he would just use her as essentially a sex slave and try to force her into marrying him like that was his end game was so that they could legally get married so that she could never testify against her legal husband and now she would just have to like live this life and so the first night that he kidnapped her he decided to bite her all over her body now these were severe bites these were not just like munch like uh, uh, like they were severe like she was bleeding they were open to infection like it was really intense to the point when she died her lungs and her heart and her vital organs were already infected because of these bites all over her body so he brutally violently assaulted her raped her and just bit her everywhere right so during the next couple of days she is traveling around these hotels with him because he's a businessman and so he's got to travel like it is the craziest thing she would have to pretend to be his wife when they were checking into the hotel because he didn't want to get caught and she would say things like listen i'm not gonna go to the police like unless you blah 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 right and he would mm-hmm. say you're a dumb bitch because i am the law Damn. because he was the leader of the indiana kkk sector and so he was like i don't really care what you have to say because i'm the law and so one day she sees that he had just left his gun out on the hotel table and she really wanted to shoot herself because imagine imagine the trauma imagine the pain that you're going through every day and imagine not knowing if it's only going to get worse from here she was she was done right and mm-hmm. also if she escapes then what she's already thinking like this is probably one of the most powerful people in indiana at the time like what the fork do i have right and so she wanted to shoot herself to end the misery now by this point like i said her vital organs were infected imagine the pain of that itself right with no medical care and she didn't because she didn't want to dishonor her family can you imagine the 20s the 20s were a wild time when a woman who shoots herself because she can't take the abuse is dishonoring her family but like the dude is like the leader and like political figure 
like who is the dishonoring person here right yeah. and so she decided not to shoot herself because she didn't want to dishonor her family ma- name so instead she was able to go to a local pharmacy and at the time like i said mercuric chloride was being sold for you know just stopping syphilis so it was sold at a local pharmacy like you would just buy advil and it was just like mercury and so she bought it pretending like it was just going to help with the bites and stuff and she ingested as much as she could and she died an incredibly painful death I mean, it was known to be just really, really bad. Now, during court, this is going to get even worse. The rapist, the leader of the KKK, the rapist, Uh um, he was in court and his attorney said, well, there's no way. There's just no way that, you know, he the rapist couldn't have anticipated her suicide. Just because he raped her doesn't mean that he would assume that she would take her own life. Mm. And everyone was like, what? Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Now, the the upside to this. Well, let me tell you the downside first. He was sent to prison for a little bit of time. He was released and then he was sent back to prison for assaulting a 17 year old girl. Now, they said that there wasn't enough evidence. So then he was released again. So then he died as a free man, which is crazy. Now, the best part about this story, the only silver lining that we can get from this is that, by the way, don't praise these people. But this to the KKK in Indiana was so disgusting. The people decided to en masse drop out of the KKK. So this was probably one of the biggest dismantlings of the Indiana KKK that they had ever seen. Because of this case. Because this leader decided to rape and assault someone. Mm. Yeah. And this also caused a lot of question because um, maybe I'll get into it one day. Right. But um, I, I don't have enough research today to get into it. But it got it got a lot of people mad because they were saying, well, what if she was an African-American female? Because she wasn't. She was a white female. She was a Caucasian female, right? Mm. So is that why we're all pissed, you know? Is that why people were dropping out of the KKK like that? Because that doesn't make sense to us, right? Mm. It's just, it was like this weird thing. Like, you have morals, but you also don't have morals. So, like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. So people were upset by that. Anyways, continuing on. Mercuric chloride poisoning. That is how Mrs. Heidnick had passed away. Now, Terry, his younger brother, like I said, was in and out of mental institutions. He had attempted suicide multiple times. And Gary was not going to live an easy life, too. So he would be arrested multiple times before he was finally arrested for the kidnappings and the tortures and the killings of these victims, right? Such as Josefina. Mm-hmm. So his first arrest was an aggravated assault. He had gotten an unlawful pistol and he shot it at the tenant of the house that he was renting. Like he was renting a unit and a different tenant walked by and he just tried to shoot him. It like grazed his face. Thankfully, it didn't cause any massive injuries, but it was really bad. So that was his first arrest, right? And then his second arrest came when he started dating a woman by the name of Anjanette Davidson. Now, Anjanette Davidson, she was illiterate and mentally disabled. So her IQ at the time was 48. So this in itself is illegal because they cannot be consenting. Mm -hmm. You know, they do not know that what they're doing is what they're doing. And so he had invited her to live with him, this full grown man, right? And so they're just living together. She ends up giving birth to a daughter that is Gary Heidnick's and they name her Maxine. Now, Maxine was immediately taken into foster care. Like the state of Pennsylvania was like, I don't fucking think so. Thank you. Right. And took away Maxine. And this is when he gets so mad that he decides, you know what? I'm going to do something else. So he goes to go find Alberta. Now, Alberta is on Jeanette's sister, who is also mentally disabled. And she was actually being held in a mental institution. Now, 
Gary goes and he's like, listen, I'm on Jeanette's boyfriend and I'm taking Alberta out to go see her sister. Just a day pass. So this institution, it wasn't like a high security. It wasn't for like the criminally insane. So you could genuinely just check people out, take them to lunch, bring them back in. Right. Yeah. And so he signed the little form. He got it. He got a day pass. He takes Alberta, his girlfriend's sister back home and keeps her locked in the basement for 10 days. He rapes her. He sodomizes her and she ends up contracting gonorrhea for 10 days now on Jeanette's home the whole time but like I said they were mentally disabled and they both of them didn't they were confused they didn't really know what was going on when the police found Alberta 10 days later in his basement Mm -hmm. she was bloody and she was traumatized and so scared but she didn't know what was going on really right so so what did the police do So they arrested him for kidnapping, rape, false imprisonment, involuntary deviate sexual intercourse, interfering with custody of a person, unlawful restraint. And for that, for that full ass list that just knocked the breath out of me, they said, for you, Gary, you get three years in a mental institution for that list. So he was sent to the mental institution for three years. After he gets out, he meets a woman by the name of Gail Linko. And with her, again, she, I believe, was there was some sort of disability involved. Mm -hmm. It seems like this is kind of his go to. And we'll get into the psychology of that. He really likes mentally disabled women because he feels like it's so much easier to have power over them, to dominate them, to be the leader, to be in charge and also to get their respect. Mm. Right. Because they're looking for primarily a caretaker. And he is like filling that role in a sick and twisted and a violent way at times. Mm -hmm. And he feels like this is how they will never leave him. And so they have a son together that they named Gary Jr. And the state immediately was like, I don't think so. So the state took Gary Jr. away as well and placed him in foster care. Now, at the time, at the time, this is when Gary is like, I'm going to start a church. Gary is like me being the religious, amazing person that I am. I'm going to start a church. And so he started and he incorporated. Okay, I don't know. I mean, it's a nonprofit, so probably not like a I don't know. Maybe it is an LLC. I don't know anything about nonprofits. Okay, so he is like, I'm going to start the United Church of the Ministers of God. Now, if you are driving around town and you see the United Church of the Ministers of God, don't run the other way because it's not Gary's church. So like he took this big church's name and just like made it his own version of it in Pennsylvania. So there actually is like a big church named this. Right. And it has nothing to do with Gary Heidnick. So don't get it confused. When I talk about religious cult, I'm not talking about this main church. I'm talking about his ripoff version his walmart version okay mm-hmm. the bootleg version and so he incorporates this name and at first he only had five followers and he had about one thousand five hundred dollars that he had deposited into a bank account under the united church of the ministers of god mm-hmm. now this was his initial investment that he had gotten from donors now the rest of the money he was going to keep putting it into there whether it was from sunday donations or whatever it may be right mm-hmm. and eventually by the time he went to prison, he had amassed over $1.5 million sitting in that account. What in the world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's am- bad in, back in the days. Yeah. No, I, I did the calculations. Oh, okay, I almost okay. always. Yeah. Oh. It was $500,000 back in the day. That's Today, it's $1.5 million. How? Mm-hmm. How could this guy? Re- wow. So it's very profitable. Yes, but it seems like he took advantage of people. So every Sunday he would have the service at his house. So there was no extra fee of like renting a space either. Uh It was just like pure cash flow, I guess. And almost all of the people who attended were mentally ill or disabled. 
Okay, so he found his little niche, probably. Yeah, he was like, I'm just going to exploit this entire group of vulnerable people. Mm. You know? Wow. So that's where, and I think a lot of people were saying that he could connect with them because he too spent time in and out of psychiatric hospitals. So maybe he could connect on that level of like, God, don't you hate it here, right? Like that type of vibe. Yeah. So they would go and he had $1.5 million just like sitting there, like cash, like not even in a house or like in a building, just like cash. So he took it as what? Like a, like a business, like a, for, for, for business reason, like he wants to make money from them. It seems more for narcissistic reasons. Ah. He just wanted followers and then the money came and made him feel more powerful but he wasn't really like a spendy person he didn't go like a lot of televangelists that we've talked about on youtube like we don't he didn't go and like buy rolls royce with it he just like kept it there which would actually bite him in the butt because later on during the trial he was like i'm actually insane everyone and everyone was like it's really hard to be insane when you have the ability to get 1.5 million dollars in your bank like just like starting from the ground up like it's really incredibly difficult like you probably are not insane then and he also put a lot of money into like brokerage accounts (laughs) i don't even know what that means but he like did that too good yeah Yeah. so they're like that doesn't sound like something insane people would do Uh you know like when you're talking out of your mind you're talking like you probably don't flush toilets like you're really out of your mind but you're like let me go invest this money let me go put some in a 401k for the future. Like you're not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was the weirdest thing ever. And so then later he gets married for the first time. Now her name was Betty Disto and they had been talking via mail for about two years and he proposed to her without ever seeing her in person, it seems. And she, a lot of people will say that she was a mail order bride. I, I, there's no confirmation on this. I can't say for sure, but she was from the Philippines, right? So mm-hmm. she comes to the United States and Betty, from all I can tell, she seemed like she just really was excited for love. Like she was like, yay, like the, I can't believe I found the like love of my life, right? Mm-hmm. She was excited to start this new life with him. And immediately from getting into the United States, everything just changed. I mean, this was a very brief marriage and it was a very violent, abusive, mentally, physically, sexually abusive relationship. So he was actually arrested another time d- during this marriage because for spousal rape, which means you're raping your spouse, which a lot of the times people are like, how can you do that? You guys are married. No, research it. Okay, I don't have the time to tell you about it, but it's really bad. And so she also caught him in bed a lot of the times, which is like three other women. I don't know how Gary is getting these people. We can kind of assume that they were tricked, manipulated, and with his tendency to like mentally disabled women, it was probably of that sort and not him being like a Dan, Dan Bilzerian, you know, type of situation. Maybe he was type of situation where he was just like, look at all these girls in my bed. Right. And so he was really tricking them and he he just made it seem like they could trust him. So Betty, his wife, would catch him in bed with all of these women. Then she would get mad and she would try to leave because like, why would you stick around after that? And then he would rape her. He would physically beat her and then he would tie her up and make her watch him have affairs. And it was like, you're nothing without me. Thankfully, guess what? In Philadelphia, there's a big Filipino community. 
And they all rallied together. They found out what was happening to Betty Disto. And they were like, she literally came to the United States thinking she found love. And then now look at what's happening. Right. So they helped her escape her abusive relationship, provided her a space, you know, for a little while to get back on her feet. Now, what he didn't know, what Gary didn't know at the time is that when Betty escaped, she was actually pregnant at the time. And she would later give birth to a son by the name of Jesse John Disto. So not Gary's name, thankfully. So that was his arrest for assault, indecent assault, and spousal rape, and involuntary deviant sexual in- intercourse. I think that's um, forcing her to watch, you know? Mm. It's just like, that is weird, dude. I don't mm-hmm. think they have like a crime that's like forcing her to watch crime. So they were like involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, <laughs> which just means like some weird involuntary stuff, okay? Um, then that's let's get back to Josefina because that's the timeline. That was Gary's life up until he decides to kidnap Josefina, who is now locked in his basement. Wait, did he go to jail? He went to jail very, very briefly. And that's another thing with spousal rape. If you look into it, the time that people spend in jail for that is like slim to none. Mm. It's really low. And so back to Josefina. He broke up with Betty. Betty divorced him. He has no idea that Betty gave birth to their son until he gets some child support letters later. Right. So he's living this world and he's like, I'm sick of this. You know, every time I try to have a kid. The state just takes away my kid. You know, every time I try to get a wife, they're just like not cool with me cheating on them and abusing them and raping them. Like, that's not cool. You know, they keep running away. They just keep leaving me and I'm, I'm not OK with this. And so that's when he kidnaps Josefina. So during this time, she's being held captive. And at one point, she does escape. She escapes for a brief second. He had left the house and she runs out of the house. She was she managed with that long ass chain to run outside of the basement door. And she's like yelling. She said she was yelling in English in fucking Spanish, like anything. She was like, hello, anybody. Right. Uh And she did not hear a single peep. And slowly she felt her chain dragging her back into the house. Oh, my. God. and nobody heard her and that that is probably one of the most dangerous situations ever in terms of being kidnapped like anytime i read about these stories of people being kidnapped and they get like that almost escape but they don't fully escape you just know that the captor's rage is going to be uncontrollable and it was like she was dragged in she was in that little pit for like 20 plus hours a day no food no water could barely breathe most of the time he would use giant bags of sand and dirt to put them all up against the walls of the base to try to insulate the place so that it was soundproof and this was important because like i said she had just escaped and tried to call the neighbors right Mm -hmm. but also because every sunday he still had sunday school at his house upstairs from the basement so he was like i I can't have anyone knowing that i'm holding people captive in my basement yeah 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 And so one day, Josefina, she's laying in that pit. She can't really see anything. She can just hear things, right? Mm -hmm. And she hears this girl crying all of a sudden, being dragged into the basement. I mean, she can hear someone being dragged into the basement crying. And she can hear Gary saying, Sandra, stop crying. We've been friends for years now. Chill out. And then he opens up the pit, introduces Josefina to Sandra and says, you guys are both going to be here a while. He put both of them into the same pit? Same pit. Later, he's going to come and try to dig more space. Oh. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes reading these stories can really fork with my sex drive, right? Because (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. Like, researching true crime is really not 
something to get you going. It's not going to be like, wow, yeah, I just want to jump the bones of my fiance now. Woohoo. Like that was so good. That was so fun. It's not like that at all. And that is why we've been experimenting a little bit. <laughs> You've heard me talk about it before. Listen, I'm talking about Oshot CBD. Okay. It changed my life a little bit. I'm going to be honest. When we got this, it just up sparked our sex life again. He's so uncomfortable right now. We've tried a lot of lubricants <laughs> in the market. <laughs> and usually they just have like one ingredient that provides a sensory feeling so it's like oh this lubricant is like the on fire devil lubricant or it's like the icy cold lubricant and most of them have like these synthetic nasty tastes or yeah because taste is important in this situation or like these scents that are just nasty and they have like lots of chemicals Oshot CBD arousal oil contains eight natural ingredients that are organic that are botanicals that provide a sensory tingling feeling and it helps promote multiple physiological effects to increase stimulation circulation arousal lubrication <laughs> desire and just like overall satisfaction and it comes in a tsa compliance size so like y'all know we just went to texas so like everything's bigger in texas <laughs> i'm sorry all right so whether you guys are single or looking to spice up that sex life for more satisfying sex okay every woman can benefit from a more enjoyable sex life oshat comes to the rescue and provides that heightened sexual sensations it's 100% edible and natural remember to go to oshotcbd.com today and enter code rotten to take advantage of this incredible saving that's oshotcbd.com and enter code rotten to get 20% off oshot site-wide okay let's go to sandra so josephina hears sandra being pulled into this basement and she's like what the fork right then gary just like leaves them to get to know each other i guess i don't know so sandra tells her that this happened almost immediately after thanksgiving sandra had told her mom that she's going to the store to go get something and she gets kidnapped on the way to the store but she but she knows him. Yes. So she knew each other. So it seems like Gary went to a lot of mental institutions or like um, institutions for the disabled that they were being taken care of or like schools. So this in particular was an institution that taught mentally challenged people. And he I don't think he had a position there. It seemed like he would go there to seek out people to join his church or to seek out future victims. And Sandra mm -hmm. went to that institution. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, he really loved intellectually challenged people because he could create superiority and dependency, right? Mm -hmm. And later on, Sandra was recruited into his church. So they really did know each other to the point where after Sandra was kidnapped, Sandra's mom visited Gary's house and was like, um, do you have my daughter here? Because, you know, a lot of the time Sandra would just end up at Gary's place watching TV with him. And it was just creepy. People thought it was creepy. Like people were like, I think he's taking advantage of her. Like this is this is wrong on all sorts of ways you know this is not normal and so she showed up at the house and gary was like i don't know what you're talking about why would i have sandra here like why would i be holding sandra hostage that makes no sense mm -hmm. and so the mom left because the police said that she couldn't really do anything there's no proof there's no evidence there's not even proof that sandra didn't get lost to the store you know there's mm -hmm. no evidence of any of that and almost immediately after sandra's mom miraculously gets a letter in the mail and it was from sandra and mm -hmm. it had Sandra's fingerprints all over it. The police tested it. Mm -hmm. It also was signed by Sandra. It looked like Sandra's handwriting. And it said, Dear Mom, don't worry about me. Don't call me or come looking for me. Like, I'm completely happy where I am. Signed, Love Sandra. And it was just like, What? 
Uh-huh. So, so Gary like had forced away. her. Yeah. So yeah. Gary had forced her into writing this letter. And now there's a lot of controversy because like I said, Gary's all of his victims were African-American, the ones that were he was holding hostage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this really calls to the fact of like, were you guys even really looking? Let's be real, you know, mm-hmm. and this letter just added so much more to it. Whereas in a lot of different situations where if you had someone that was maybe not you know, a minority, a person of color who went missing and they got this letter, the police would be like, that's suspicious. That's a suspicious letter. What a weird letter there. It looks like she was probably writing it while she was being held hostage somewhere. Don't you think? But in this one, they're like, see, Sandra's fine. Yeah. So the police just kind of like stopped looking for her and it was just like, what? Are you serious right now? Mm -hmm. And so during this time that the police weren't looking, he would continually rape Sandra and Josephina and make each other watch. So it wasn't even like he would take Sandra or Josephina into a different room or upstairs. He would literally do it right in front of the other girl because it was psychologically and physically assaulting both of them. Mm -hmm. You know, the other girl would get so scared and would see like, holy shit, like I need to make sure that I don't act out of line so that doesn't happen to me next, right? Mm -hmm. And so he would make them do that. And for the next month, it was just the two of them. Now, during this month, he was digging that hole to make it bigger. And most, both of the girls they had spent most of the time in the hole so then he would come down he would chain them up they would be outside the hole and they would just watch him dig now a lot of psychologists studied this method because it's just psychologically so stressful like is he digging a grave for them right now like he's silently just digging in front of them Mm. is he digging graves is he bringing more people like what's the plan right and so they're just watching this and then Lisa Thomas shows up. So Lisa Thomas was also kidnapped. She was a prostitute at the time. And they initially had voluntary intercourse inside of the house, such as what happened with Josefina, right? Mm -hmm. And then later he choked her, handcuffed her, and then brought her into the basement. Now, during this, he created systems. He created genuinely like his own farm, like his own baby farm, like his own little community inside that basement. So he had a lot of levels. He had a lot of conditioning and a lot of psychologists study him, not because he's a serial killer, but because he was really, really good at conditioning his victims. It's really difficult to have multiple victims. Even to have one victim long term is incredibly difficult. Like you're going to get caught. Something's going to happen. You're holding another person hostage. It's not even the fact that you're trying to hide their dead body. They can run. They can talk. They can scream. They can use their brains, you know? Yeah. It's really hard. But he was really good with different levels. So this is how the physical levels happened. First, you spend a couple days in the pit, like Mm -hmm. break your soul type of days. You know, you Mm -hmm. lose your lack of motivation. What's the point in screaming? No one can hear you. No one's coming to save you, right? Mm -hmm. Then once you're broken in that terms of determination, he gives you a rubber mattress. You sleep on like this rubber mattress. Then let's say when he rapes you, you're screaming less, you know, you're just kind of complying. Then Uh he gives you a regular mattress and you see all the other girls, what they're sleeping on. So like if you see that you're sleeping in the pit and you see the other girl who's complying with Gary is sleeping on a mattress, you're going to probably comply. And that's just human nature. Like, I don't care how strong you are. Like, I don't care if you're in your house right now being like, nah, I wouldn't. Right. I mean, chances are most people would. It's just imagine that type of situation. Right. And then and then from that regular mattress, sometimes maybe you would get little gifts here and there. An extra pillow. So this is like three people in. He's doing this. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the conditioning also 
worked with sex and rape. So, I mean, I I consider it every single time that they had sex to be rape. Mm-hmm. But he conditioned it to not feel like rape. So he would come downstairs and he would say, all right, who wants cookies today? And he would have a bag of cookies. And the girls would fight over who would have sex with Gary because they wanted cookies because they were starving down there. So wow. it to them, it almost conditioned them to not believe that they were being raped. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so they would technically like fight over them. That's what Josephina said. Like the girls would fight over them because they wanted food. Like it was bad. Now, in terms of food, at first, the girls were just given while they were in the pit water and hard candy. That's it. That's all you survive on. They were starving. And then later they would get two slices of bread as a meal plus water. Then there was a dog commercial. So they were all watching TV downstairs. They had this tiny little TV and Gary was spending time with the girls. And there was this dog food commercial of like, you know, like dog food commercials. They don't show you the kibble. They like show you all the real ingredients. And they're like, look, we put in potatoes and meat, right? And one of the girls is looking at it and she goes, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. I could eat that right now. Uh And from then on, Gary just started serving dog food sandwiches and dog biscuits to the girl. And the rest of the girls. So all the girls ate dog food sandwiches and dog biscuits for months. You think he did it also like for psychological purposes? Yeah, too? for sure. So then Deborah Dudley comes around, who was 23 years old. Now, Deborah was uh, very, uh, very fu- confrontational. She was fighting back. Mm-hmm. Now, Deborah just absolutely would not comply. She would not be quiet. She would spit in Gary's face all the time. And she was she fought tooth and nail every single day. And he would beat her viciously every single day. And he would even force the other woman to beat her. And if they didn't beat her hard enough, they would get beat. So this was another conditioning method that he used of turning the girls against each other. Because imagine if all of them fought together, they could definitely hurt Gary probably, right? But instead, he made sure that they were always against each other. And he would torture them a lot. Like Gary was one of those people. He would come down those stairs. Even if you comply to the best of your ability, it just depends on his mood. And a lot of the times he was in an angry mood. He was a violent person. He was a woman hater. He was a very intense sexual sadist. He got off on torturing these women. So no matter how much you complied, you were still going to endure a lot of torture. Now, yeah, it was it was really bad. Then another person came in, Jacqueline Askins. She was actually the youngest of the group. She was 18 years old at the time. She was a prostitute and she had gotten into his car and he said, listen, we need to go do this, you know, deal at my house because I've got an ice cream cake in the back of the car and I don't want that ice cream cake to melt. Mm-hmm. And so she looked in the back and sure enough, there was a freaking ice cream cake. So she was like, OK, like this doesn't seem like, you know, one of those situations where he's like, I'm going to hold you captive in my basement. So we got to go like it, he genuinely had an ice cream cake, right? Mm -hmm. So she's like, okay. so they go into his house and he had like this little arcade system that was just in his living room, like one of those like pinball machines, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so she's playing on that little arcade system. And suddenly she starts feeling getting choked. Mm -hmm. So she gets knocked unconscious and she wakes up and she's being dragged down this dark stairwell. So she's walking down. She gets to the bottom of that basement and she looks And she sees a whole ass party and she's like, what the fuck is going on? 
and it was Josephina's birthday. So Gary had let the girls pick any food that they wanted from the Chinese takeout menu and bought an ice cream cake for Josephina's birthday. And all the girls were so thankful. And this was like the first happiness in so long. So it genuinely seemed like they were celebrating, even though they were being held captive. And Jacqueline, who just entered, was like, what the fuck? Like, why so are y'all? she doesn't think it was. Uh... No, she knew. Oh, she knew. Because like the they were all chained. In oh celebrating like they were they had like these mattresses in there there was like a pit in there you know most wow. of them were like completely naked chained up like she knew but she, i mean imagine also it's one thing to walk into that situation knowing that there's girls being held captive and you're the next victim uh -huh. but also imagine like they seem so happy over chinese food takeout and a cake you know yeah, yeah, yeah. like that kind of shows how bad the situation is yeah so she's like, oh, God. And so then from then on, he's got all these girls held captive. Now he starts getting more paranoid because the more people, the more power in numbers. He's like, I can't let anything bad happen. And the one thing he was really upset with was that no matter how hard he tried, the girls could always hear when he leaves the house, when he starts the car, when he leaves the front door. And so he's like, nope. This is bad. The minute that they hear that, they know that I'm gone. So then they're going to try to escape or they're going to just start screaming. So he tested the theory and one day he pretended to leave. He didn't leave. And all the girls just start screaming at the same time. Oh so he's like, oh, gosh. hell no. So he goes back downstairs. He wraps duct tape around every single girl's mouth and starts punching screwdrivers into their ears, what? violently stabbing them in the ears with screwdrivers. He wanted to rupture their eardrums so they couldn't hear anymore. So he just decided to do that one day yeah it didn't work thankfully um it seems like most of the survivors still had their ability to hear uh-huh but i mean I like there was a lot of injuries a lot of psychological yeah. torture this part is the part that like makes my stomach turn wow <sighs> i mean i know it sounds weird because it's like oh i'd i'd rather that than like all the other things that happened to them like being assaulted and raped and stuff but it's just like such sick twisted like, who wakes up one day and is like, I'm going to stick some, like, punch people in their ear holes with screwdrivers. And, I mean, his thing, it seems like he didn't want to kill any of the girls because he wanted to keep them around to torture them more. Uh -huh. um, so then he would, if you ever disobeyed him, if you ever didn't even seem slightly compliant, or even if you just, like, woke up on a bad mood, he would punch you, he would beat you, he would starve you, he would violently rape you all the time. Now, Sandra Lindsay, the second girl who was held captive, mm -hmm. she ended up dying first. So she... She had escaped the pit at one point and he wanted to punish her and he wanted to put on a show for the rest of the girls. So inside of that basement, like outside of the pit, inside, in front of all the mattresses where everybody's just like sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. He hung Sandra by her wrist on a beam like by her wrist, suspended in the air for a week. She was on her tippy toes like she couldn't even put her feet flat on the ground now this causes a lot of issues so not even just does it cause exhaustion but the way that it's done it causes your lungs to collapse like it's just not a natural way for humans to be you know even yeah. being upside down i talked about this in a mukbang like being upside down it causes your stomach to put too much pressure on your lungs and thus your lungs collapse and she was only being suspended by one wrist. So she was kind of lopsided. Uh -huh. So that means that her lungs are really getting pressure from one angle only. Uh -huh. So it was a lot. And she couldn't even stand to just try to level out that pressure. And she was suspended, not fed, and beat for a week. 
and everyone was chained up out of distance so no one could feed her no one could help her and that's her way of passing and yeah and so she ended up dying now her official cause of death was starvation torture and an untreated fever and the gary told all the girls that it was an accident but the psychologists don't really think that so the psychiatrist who studied this a week of a week a full fucking week right but they also think that he's a sexual sadist so he was probably not trying to kill her but got off so much on seeing her being tortured that he just was like one more day one more day to like enjoy this, you know, it seems like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like he went in with the intention of like, I'm going to fucking kill her. Right. Mm. So he kills Sandra and he makes all the girls help dismember her body because he says, now you guys are all accomplices and now all of you guys are going to jail. Now, mind you, most of the girls were either young or mentally disabled or had been held captive for so long that it's like, I mean, so much happens to you right and josephina herself i think for her she was 25 at the time but like imagine also going through drug withdrawals during this process because that's not something that's like mental it's like physical like drug withdrawals happen physically too you know Mm -hmm. and so it just was a lot so all the girls believed like holy shit we do have to help him otherwise a we're gonna go to jail or b that's gonna be us like we're gonna be dead and so they all took turns dismembering sandra's body so they chopped up her legs her arms they put her in the freezer and they labeled those ziploc bags well gary did as dog food her ribs were cooked in the oven her head was boiled in a pot on the stove and later the police actually came to investigate because the smell was so bad that neighboring houses started to complain this isn't an apartment this is a house neighboring what's the smell houses just like nasty they were just like composing body smell yeah the police get called for the bad odor and i know everywhere says like oh the smell of a dead body like you know that immediately like all the police say that all the time in all the cases but maybe not this police officer because he showed up at the door gary opened it and was like oh that smell yeah i was cooking a roast and i fell asleep and i burnt it and the police are just like oh okay yeah like people burn their dinner all the time like have a good night and he just left he just left And so then he later, after he cooks a lot of her pieces and the meat in the freezer, he grinds up Sandra's flesh, feeds it to his own dogs, and then mixed it in with dog food and fed it to all the other girls. Do the girls know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the smell just like would not disappear. Now, Deborah Dudley, she was still causing trouble at this time. A lot of the other girls became even more numb, even more traumatized and even more compliant after what happened with Sandra. But Mm -hmm. Deborah was just like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. And so what he decided to do with Deborah is he filled up the pit with water and he threw Deborah in there with water and he applied electricity to her chains. Now, he also threw Jacqueline in there, but I, I believe her chains didn't get electricity applied. So she was just getting some of the extra like electrocution caused by the water that they were in together. But um, Deborah was getting electrocuted like intensely. And he decided that Josephina would be the one to apply the electricity to the chains because he wanted her to be a little bit more of like the mom of the group, like also his little accomplice is what he wanted. Right. 
and he thought that this was electrotherapy you know how like back in the day like in these mental institutions even to this day they will electrocute you into thinking that it will help you right and so he thought that if he did this to deborah she would just be a compliant person like the rest of the girls and so he constantly electrocuted her until jacqueline started screaming and they look down and she's like i think something's wrong with deborah i think deborah's dead right and he looks down and he goes oh shit deborah's dead and he looks around and he goes now we can go back to having a peaceful basement and all the other girls were traumatized so he immediately gets josephina to go upstairs and write a letter with him and in that letter josephina admits that she killed deborah and she signs it and gary signs it and he says look if you ever try to turn me into the police i will give them this note and you will be in jail forever for killing. So he's constantly focusing on these mental games. Yes. And also um, something that might slip your mind and it slipped mine until Redditors pointed it out uh-huh. was you also have to take into consideration that he was a white man and most of his victims were African-American females. Uh-huh. And so to say the threat of jail and to threaten, hey, if I go down, you're for sure going to prison for the rest of your life. There was not one girl that was like, No, because I did this under your rule. Like, I was kidnapped. All of them were like, I would go to jail for doing nothing. So, of course, I would go to jail for this. Right, right, right. Right? Mm -hmm. So, that was something that a lot of Redditors were pointing out now. Nobody pointed out back in the day. It's actually really sad because Josefina would be villainized in the press after she was released. She was, she freed herself. Yeah, continuing on. So then she signs that and he starts getting really ballsy. He believes like, oh, good. Now Josephina is like my accomplice. And he unchains her mm. and forces her to help him put Deborah into the freezer. Thanksgiving's coming. Thanksgiving's tomorrow by the time you hear this. The holidays are coming. And I don't know about you, but I don't really have anything exciting planned for the holidays. I don't think I'm going to be go visiting my family at all. I think I'll probably just be here, just us two for the holidays. And that makes me a little bit sad, okay? And that is why during the holidays, I know there's like the seasonal depression that comes around. Or maybe it's like you're not visiting your family. Or it just feels so different from all of the other holidays that we've celebrated before. Then maybe, maybe you should check out BetterHelp. Whether it's something that's kind of interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part is everything's done online. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, which also means maybe you are going to go see your family for the holidays and you're like, listen, before before I go to that Christmas dinner, I need to, I need to talk to someone. <laughs> it's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It's professional counseling that's done securely online. So they also cover a broad range of expertise. A lot of the times there's different therapists that focus on different things and maybe you need this specific thing and maybe your local area doesn't have that type of therapist or maybe you guys are traveling or maybe you live in a country that English is not their primary language like maybe you just feel comfortable doing everything online better help has all of that for you you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor you get a timely and thoughtful response plus you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you do with traditional therapy They're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's also a lot more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Go join over 1 million people, including myself, who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So you can go to betterhelp.com slash 
rotten. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash rotten. And you will get 10% off your first month. So then he forces her, Josefina, to help him put Deborah into the freezer together. And then mm-hmm. after she's been chilling in the freezer for a while, he's like, well, I need to get rid of her body. And this time, I don't think I have what it takes to go through all of this to like dismember her body. Like so exhausting, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, let's go, let's go. So he puts Josefina into the car, puts Deborah into the trunk of the car. They drive all the way to New Jersey. And there's this place called the Pines. And that's kind of like what the locals call it, I think. It's just a large ass pine forest i think it's one of the biggest pine eco forests in north america from what i heard it's massive like it's just a lot of pine trees Mm -hmm. and so he drove there and just dumped her body into the woods now at this point gary is becoming more and more trusting of josephina and he just felt like josephina could now become his full-on accomplice and he says listen you need to go help me abduct more girls because i need more girls now that two are just dead Mm -hmm. remember my goal it's 10 girls that's what i told you since the very beginning baby yeah, I think he wanted all 10 and then start. And he wanted them all oh. pregnant at once or something. Oh. And so he was like, we need to go. We need to go abduct someone. And so Josephina says, okay, like I can try to help you, but can you please do one thing for me? And he's mm-hmm. like, what? And she's like, well, you know, I love you now, right? And he's like, yeah, I know that. Well, can I just say goodbye to my family one last time? So they that, that they stop looking for me. They know that I'm safe. They know that I'm happy. You know, it's less suspicion on us for sure. But mm-hmm. also just, I want to start my new life with you. And I feel like this will give me closure on my old life. Uh-huh. And I, I'm excited for this new life together. And Gary, being the fucking narcissistic idiot that he is, he was like, oh my God, yes, Josephina loves me. So for him, he wanted respect, but he didn't necessarily want his captives to hate him. He wanted them to respect him, to be dependent on him, to kind of almost see him like a god. Mm -hmm. He didn't want them to be like, no, fuck you, right? Mm -hmm. He wanted them to be like, oh my god, my lord, like how can I serve you today? Like that's what he wanted. So he he ate this up he was like oh yeah like you could totally do that and so he said but first we got to abduct someone and so they drive around and she sees agnes adams who was also a sex worker at the time and she knew josephina so josephina was like hey like do you want to do you want to come so she gets into the car thinking it's going to be completely safe but then she gets kidnapped. Now, I don't really necessarily blame Josefina because she had a plan, right? And um, the reason I don't blame her is that she did have multiple times where she could have escaped, whether she was cooking upstairs or hanging out upstairs unchained Mm -hmm. during all of this. And she never did because she felt like Gary would go on a suicidal rampage and immediately kill all the girls downstairs. Mm -hmm. And she did not want that. She didn't care if it was just her that escaped. She Mm -hmm. wanted everyone to escape. You know, she had grown such a big attachment to all the girls and just... Her humanity, hello, right? Yeah. So she is like, I can't do this. So she felt a lot of guilt. So we're not going to shame her at all. She did what she had to do to save everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Agnes gets kidnapped. And the next day, Josefina is being driven to her home by Gary. Mm-hmm. Now she said, listen, if you come to the house, you know, my family, they're going to be like, who's this man? What's he doing here? What's going on? So why don't you just drop me off at the gas station? That's the corner away from my house. Mm-hmm. Get a drink, get a coffee, and I'll be back in 15 minutes. And so he's like, okay, sounds good. So um, they go to the gas station. Uh-huh. She is walking through the gas station parking lot, like looking back at him, like waving, like, 
see you soon baby you know uh-huh. and the minute that she's out of view she fucking books it and she goes to the nearest little phone booth and she dials 911 thankfully there was a squad car super close to that phone booth so uh-huh. they drive up and they said that she was fucking frantic they said you need to arrest him right now before he goes home because the minute he goes home he's gonna know he's gonna know that I ran away and he's gonna kill everyone he's gonna kill everyone uh-huh. and they were like okay like calm down they immediately saw all through her legs that there was a lot of chain chafing uh-huh. so they already knew that she was telling the truth so they go to the gas station and they arrest him and he did not put up a fight so he gets arrested they go to gary's house of horrors and josephina is a survivor lisa jacqueline and agnes all survived so we have four people who survived and two who were murdered it was the police said it was horrible conditions you know the police were interviewed and a lot of them said that their family members didn't even know who they were during the time that they were working this case like a lot of the police officers they said like my wife said i was a completely different person when what I was does that mean just so traumatized by the details of this case oh. like you're so detached you know like you can't really be happy right now oh. it was bad inside of gary's freezer they also found 27 pounds of body parts that were frozen And after he was arrested, he tried to hang himself in his cell and thankfully it didn't work. Now, let me tell you about Gary Heidnick's fucking insane defenses. His first defense was that the women were in the house when I moved in. (laughs) Yeah. What? I moved in and they were just like there. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? I I guess maybe like the landlord kept women there. I don't know. I just kind of fed them because nobody fed them. So I just feed them once in a while. But that's it. I mean, yeah, like we consensually did it sometimes. But like that's because, you know, they were bored and I was bored. And and how long did it take him to realize that was the dumbest thing? Yeah. And so his defense attorney later on was like, see, he must be insane if he thinks that's a good excuse. And then Mm. that's when the prosecutor was like, but he's not because he has over a million dollars in his bank account and brokerage account. So shut the fuck up. Mm. Right. Like nobody who can manage a million dollars like that is just going to be like, Oh my God, there's just like free women chained up in my basement. Like, that doesn't make sense. He didn't inherit the money. Like, he made the money, you know? Yeah. I mean, through shitty ways, of course, but still. And then his second defense was check the Quiznot. You know, Quiznot? They make kitchen tools. We have a Quiznot, like, um, ice cream maker. They're like the mm. leader of kitchen tools. Got it. You know? They were like, check the Quiznot. Who and everyone's that? like, what? Gary. Uh-huh. And so he's like, check the Quiznot if you don't believe me. And the police are like, why? And he's like, check my Quiznart blender and you won't see any human flesh in there because I did not grind up the bodies, you know? I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do that. And they were just like, you're wrong, so bye. What in the world? Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. And a lot of people suspect that he was just doing all of these weird, crazy things to try to get not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, And so trial starts, he's acting even crazier and nobody believed him so he was sentenced to death now on a weird twist of fate betty his first wife and maxine who is his daughter from anjanette they both try to get him off death row they don't want him free they did, they just didn't think that he should die it didn't work thankfully and he was executed via lethal injection in 1999 actually here's a plot twist um he was the last capital punishment in the state of pennsylvania ever Gary Heidnick. And another twist of faith that's really annoying is that for years, Josephina 
through the press, through news reporters, was constantly portrayed as an accomplice. They treated her like a criminal, even though she was a free woman because she was an incriminal. Because she was very vocal about what had happened to her. And she said, I did what I had to to survive. I pretended like I liked him. I pretended like I liked the assaults and the rape to survive. And everyone's like, no, you did it because you loved him. And you're an accomplice. They treated her as a criminal. That's disgusting. Like, imagine you went through all that trauma and what? Not even, it's not, she wasn't even looking for sympathy, but you're villainized. Right. And again, a lot of people do believe race a thousand percent had something to do with it. Yeah. And so um, she suffered a lot of drug abuse afterwards and nightmares, but um, she cleaned, she got clean. Um, She got married. She has children. She has multiple grandchildren. She wrote a book. So as far as I know, from what I can tell, she is doing okay, despite it all. She still says she suffers from a lot of nightmares, though. But she was strong. Wow. Yeah. So that is the story of Gary Heidnick, baby farm lover, baby farm wannabe, and just sick, nasty dude. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's story. Let me know in the comments. There are no freaking comments because I'm an idiota. And happy Thanksgiving. And thank you for spending your day before Thanksgiving with us. Or maybe you are spending your Thanksgiving with us. Happy Thanksgiving. I love you. And I'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.